me. Let's just ask the Lord to bless his word today. God, we do thank you, Lord, that your word's established in heaven. And Lord, your word is above anything we could say or do. And we trust in you. We trust in what it says. And Lord, we ask God that you on this day would impart to us spiritual wisdom, wisdom that would make us whole, God, wisdom that would make us wise, Lord, wisdom, Lord, that would would be beyond our ability to understand, Lord. We believe in that. And Lord, we ask that your word would be true among us. Father, you're a good God. It's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, my uh, grandfather grew up in East Dallas in the early 20th century and just a generation removed from the awful institution of slavery uh, way before the civil rights movement happened. Uh, there in East Dallas or in the South, uh, they still had a, um, a system to where there wasn't as much opportunity for African Americans and uh, in his family setup, my great-grandfather would have many of the African-Americans who were former slaves or sons of slaves would, would work for them. And there was one in particular whose job pretty much was to be a caretaker for my grandfather. And he was, he, he would, one of his assignments were to uh, take my grandfather to um, entertain him or to if he needed to go somewhere while my, my, grand, my great grandfather did his work and and that was uh, common in that culture not appropriate and certainly not the will of God but that was common and, and today the passage I want to look at uh, they were also under uh, the the system of slavery that we have now progressed to see as inappropriate and inhumane but it's important that we understand that the authors, excuse me, the recipients of this letter understood very much so what a guardian would be. A guardian would be very much what I described what my grandfather had as someone who was not the legal parent of the child, but was being paid or assigned to take care of the child. That, that was what a, a guardian was. And so in this case, we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want to share with you a passage that has brought great meaning to my life and to my ministry. And I think that it will minister to you today as we uh, look towards this concept of fatherhood. And, and, and I just want to say right now before we start and go any further that we all need to realize this, that this is a day of various emotions But the truth is this, is that we all have to lay down this concept we have in our head that there's some kind of perfect father out there besides God. And that's just the truth. I mean, a lot of us have special relationships with our father, our earthly father. We have good memories. Others of us don't share that. And others of us, we don't understand what it is to have a great relationship. But either way, even if you had the best father or you had a father who abandoned you or abused you, Neither one of those, neither one of those models compare or fulfill us intrinsically like a relationship with our heavenly father. And so a lot of times I think that many times we are paralyzed. We are paralyzed for those of us who haven't had great relationships with an earthly father. We're paralyzed with this uh, sense of, of longing or sense of emptiness because we think that we've missed out on something everybody else has missed out on. And I just want to say I don't think that's true because I think if everybody was honest, as great as our fathers were, that every father will disappoint us. 
There's not a father out there that won't disappoint us, that a father, an earthly father out there that, that won't uh, fall short of our expectations. And the only father who's perfect is in a TV show of 30 minutes where everything can be edited and everything can be controlled. So I want us just to lay down that myth right now as children, because we're all children, and we're all children, and, and we need to lay down the myth that somehow we're missing out on this perfect father. And then before we move on, I want to say to those who are fathers in here that I want you to set down in your mind, I want you to lay down those uh, unrealistic expectations of perfection, and you think, okay, here we go, here's another Father's Day sermon. Wow, time to get beat up. You know, we usually leave Father's Day sermon with black eyes and beat up and bloodied because a preacher just gets out, you know, he starts blaming fathers for everything that's wrong in the world. And it's true that God is raising up men and he's raising us up, and, and, and it's a fact that, uh, a, you know, lack of fatherhood, a lack of appropriate fathering uh, has affected our culture in every way. But from a spiritual standpoint today, we're going to point to Jesus, to, to God, to our Heavenly Father, because He's the only one who will meet our expectations. He's the only one who is going to fulfill us from within. And I specifically want to talk to you about the role of a spiritual father today. That's really what I want to focus in on you and, and focus in on with you. And 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, Paul says, I'm not, starting in verse 14, he says, I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Go back to verse 15. Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have Many fathers. And we're going to focus in on the spiritual aspect because whatever your relationship is with your earthly father, there is a spirit of fatherhood that God wants to bring upon your life. There's an impartation that God wants to bring upon your life. And in the spiritual realm, it's God's will that we have spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. We have leaders in our life who have that kind of nurturing, God-like quality. And here's the truth. There's always guardians out there. Just the example that I just told you about my grandfather in the early 20th century. People who are paid, people who are assigned, people who have to care for you. Do you know that that happens a lot in the church too? There's pastors that are just pastoring just to get a paycheck. There's Sunday school teachers that are just teaching just to get inner fulfillment. There's other people that just want to use the ministry just as a way to fulfill their intrinsic need for importance and their their need to fulfill themselves and to get their ministry itch and get that solved. You know, there's 10,000 guardians in Christ. There's always people who want to use you and use your life to fulfill themselves. But there's not many spiritual fathers. A spiritual father is someone that God has assigned in your life is assigned in your life to produce spiritual fruit in your life and has assigned you to be more than a guardian in Christ, but to be someone that has that special relationship that pulls out Christ-like qualities. Now, Paul claimed this in the book of Philemon when he was taking up for the slave Philemon. And he says this, there, Philemon, Philemon, potato, potato, tomato, tomato, whatever, I'm not sure. I'll get my Greek lexicon out later. 
In verse 8, he says, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. Verse, look at this verse here, verse 10. Who became my son while I was in chains. He was not his uh, paternal son. There was not a natural bloodline. There was a spiritual bond. And Paul had become more than just a guardian or, or a caretaker. He had said, this man is my son. This is, this is my spiritual son. We know he also considered Timothy and, and no doubt countless others. And this whole thing that when we begin to talk about the kingdom of God and we begin to talk about how God moves, you know, God moves through mentoring. God moves through replication. God moves through impartation. God moves through spiritual fathering. That's how God moves. And you have to recognize that in your life and accept that and understand that there is a certain assignment that God has assigned you to certain people. Some of you, you've already been assigned to, to certain people in your life, and you will be assigned to other people. But in our culture, because we're individuals, and we, we want to do things our way, and we want to create our future and choose what we want to do, we're not looking for spiritual fathers. We're looking for independence. We're not looking for people to speak into our lives. We're looking for people to leave us alone. Get out of my way. We're spiritually like the 18 or 19 year old kid who doesn't have the money, doesn't have the resource, doesn't have the experience, but says, I am going to go out on my own. I don't want to be restricted. I don't want accountability. I don't want people asking me tough questions. I don't want any type of accountability. I don't want a spiritual father. I want to be on my own and by myself. And that is not the way God designed things to be. He has he has released the spirit of fatherhood on people. In fact, if you think about the, when, when the prophecy happened, when the coming of the Lord happened, it said that the spirit of Elijah would come upon the people and he would turn the hearts of the fathers back to the sons and daughters. Now, we're not always seeing that in the natural because we see over and over again statistics of people abandoning their family, of, of, of uh, fathers not taking responsibility a father's not being selfish and caring more for what they want than what their children want. But can I tell you that in the spirit and in the spiritual realm and as the church, people need fathers more than ever before. And I believe that God's releasing his spirit of fatherhood, not the model that we've the failed, flawed model that we've all been damaged by, but this new, fresh Spirit of fatherhood that's going to mentor and impart into people. So what I want to do is I'm just going to share with you a, a couple of just easy observations. I mean, things that anybody could come up with that a natural father does for his children. And I suggest to you and that that's also what a spiritual father will do for you. That's what Paul, when he when he wrote. Uh, there in the Corinthians, he said, you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, but not many fathers. He said, listen, I am your father through the gospel, and I urge you to imitate me. He said again to, to um, about Onesimus, he says, he became my son when I was in chains. And there's some natural things that fathers do for their children that you should have a spiritual father that does that for you. Now, this is one of those messages that uh, how this is going to apply specifically to each of you, I don't know. 
I mean, I can't in my human wisdom figure that out. Or I can't say that because we're all on different paths of our journey. But I do know this. I think that I know that God can make this fresh to you and he's going to make this new to you. And he wants to open the eyes of your understanding because some of you have spiritual fathers in your life that you don't honor and you don't recognize. You criticize you turn your backs on them or, or, or you've just treated them and not rightfully treated them in the place that they should be in your life. Others of you, perhaps God uh, is calling you to have a spiritual fatherhood to someone else or to move uh, and, and to move in that. And you've not taken your rightful place as a leader. You've shunned responsibility. And I believe, I believe the Lord will allow these observations to bring clarity today. Here's the uh, first thing that came to my mind is that fathers create. Fathers create. You know, a father has great destiny over their children. We go back to Genesis chapter 1, and if you begin to read Genesis chapter 1, God set a model of creation, and, and it's just amazing to me. We talked about this on a Wednesday night several weeks ago, how if you begin to journey through Genesis chapter 1, God began to speak, and he spoke forth and created things. And with his mouth, he spoke forth and he created things. And then we go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, where it said, God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. In verse 28, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Look again at verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. And the way God said that, he said, you know, that, that he set the model and he said what he spoke forth and created things. We have a call. One of the calls that we have is to go forth and produce fruit and to multiply the earth. And obviously that's talking about having children and natural children. And then that's not necessarily always the will of God for everybody. But it is the will of God that every single one of us as men be fruitful and to create and to produce. And can I tell you where we create and produce the most? With the words of our mouth. Just as God in Genesis chapter 1, he spoke and he created. So all the time that as men, we are speaking over the destiny of our children. We're speaking over their life and the things we say about our kids and the things we say to our kids will greatly affect their destiny. It will greatly affect the type of person they'll, they'll want to be. That's why it's so important that we discover this great heavenly father who speaks over us a life and speaks over us encouragement and speaks over us his word. And the word of God doesn't have flaws. The word of God doesn't have errors. The word of God doesn't have inappropriate attitudes. The words we speak are so important. Can I tell you that as fathers, we are always creating. We're always creating. That is by nature what we do. We create memories. And we can either create memories that will bless or memories that will scar. Unfortunately, because we're imperfect beings, we, we all create both of those. But I say with God's grace, may we produce memories that bless. And, you know, even today, even wherever you are today, you know, you can't change your past, but you can change the future. You can recreate the future and you can begin to create in your children and create in, in the lives of, of your sons and daughters. Great blessing a great destiny through the words you speak. We create memories, the traditions that we have and what we do, what we do. I was talking to, to one of the leaders in our church and 
He was telling me about, just this week, he was telling me about his father and how his father was a hardworking man, but every year he saved and he took his family on these vacations. And, and even as a young boy, this man was saying, I remember vaguely the memories, but it's imparted in me, and now I've done that to my children. And he began to tell me of all the great places he's taken his children. And I just thought, wow, that is a man creating something. He's creating positive memories. He's creating, he's imparting things into the life of his children. He's doing things that are powerful. You know that as men, we create moods, that we create the mood and the environment of our house. And you know, that's why one, one of the most important things I do every day is my drive from my office which you happen to be sitting in right now, from my church to my house. Because as soon as I walk through the door, my mood and the way I'm acting will set the mood for the whole family. It's one of the reasons why I sit in, my, in, in the house. I, I sit in the front yard on my cell phone usually for 10 minutes because someone has me on the phone. and I don't, I don't like to walk in the house uh, on the phone. I, I, often, I, I often do, but I try not to. Because I want to bring a certain presence uh, of joy and and an abiding presence. And that's just a habit. That's just a habit in our lives. And, you know, and Beth, I don't want to offend you here, but with three kids in the summer not being home, you know that, that I don't want to shatter the image you have towards everyone here. But the house isn't always in pristine shape when I get home from work. And the general in me wants to start, you know, come on, giving out orders. Let's go, let's go, let's go. But I try to wait 30 minutes before I do that. Because I don't want it to be the first thing I do. The point I'm trying to make is, as fathers, we create attitudes and we create moods and we create spirits. As fathers, we create perspectives. And we pass out, we pass along the good things, and we also pass along the bad things. And that's why I'm so grateful for my Heavenly Father. And I'm so thankful for His leadership and what He's done in our life. Well, this I say all of that really to talk to you about your spiritual fathers. Because... You need to understand that God has placed spiritual fathers in your life. And those spiritual fathers create for you. They are the doorway for creation. They create for you opportunities. They create for you platforms. They create uh, movements. They create things. People with the gift of spiritual fatherhood have a certain creativity coming out of them. And I've learned this, that it's often not because they can write out a plan and they can write out a a timeline. It just naturally comes out of who they are. And they begin to create things for you and create uh, uh, situations for your life and opportunities. And whether it's raising up a church member to be a pastor or to be a teacher or to be a 242 group leader, whether it's raising up a church uh, member to be a missionary and to go out, or, or maybe for the spiritual father that they, that they are doing something even bigger than that. They're raising up a movement and they're creating um, uh, influence over churches and regions. The point is this, those with the gift of spiritual fatherhood are creating and they're creating things in your life and it's important that, that they are creating positive things within you. Spiritual fathers are to produce Spiritual fathers are to be productive, just like Genesis 1.27. They are to produce fruitful Christians. And I look back and I look about over, over the pastor that I sat under 
for 18 years. And then I had another pastor. I, I had three different youth pastors. And then I had a pastor of a small church in Kansas when I was in college. And, and then going on down the line, the first pastor I worked for. And, and I can list you about eight or ten spiritual fathers. And they all imparted in me because that's who they are. God just naturally does that in them and they create things in your life. Here's the problem is, is we live in a day and age that Christians don't want to be under spiritual authority. They don't want spiritual fathers. They want it to be just them and God. I don't need the church. I don't need the institution. I don't need to pay someone to tell me what to do. And there, there is, uh, Often that is a response to hurt. That is a response to uh, uh, abuse, spiritual abuse in people. But the truth is this, is that there is a spiritual fatherhood that comes from people that God places over you that cr- produces and creates in your life. Here's the second thing is that fathers give you an identity. Fathers give you an identity. You have your identity, like it or not, because of who your father is. You have his genes, you have his DNA, and legally, you have his name. Either your paternal father or the father who adopted you. And that name helps identify who you are. And that's why it's important that you have a good spiritual father. Because can I tell you this, that I get called three to four times a week, if you probably average it out. I get a call or email from someone who wants to come talk to you or sing to you or speak into your life or to take money from you. I'm talking to the church. Because people all the time are wanting to come and to use this platform to fulfill themselves. I get contacted from them all the time. Do you know what my first question is? Who's your pastor? Why? Because I want to know what their identity is, what their name is. What church are you under? Whose authority are you under? Because a spiritual father gives you an identity. They give you a name. Proverbs 22, 1, I love it this way. It says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. To have a good name is a gift we get from our fathers. And, and a lot of us, we have to sort through that in our lives. And, and we have to sort through what our name is. And God is a God who redeems. Some of you are part of natural families that don't have a good name. Well, just wait another five years because you're going to give that family a good name. You know what? You can change the trends. You can change uh, the, the curse. You can change what that name represents. And you can make that name a good name. But your name identifies who you are. You are Johnson's John's son. You are a Smith. You are an Allison. That's who your name is. That's how people can mark you. Can I tell you spiritually that you have a spiritual heritage? And you have a line. You have a spiritual genealogy. We're one of the few cultures who have little regard to our ancestry. We, we, don't, we don't care about our ancestry because uh, we believe in the individual. We believe in individual liberty, which is a positive thing in our life. But we still have to realize that we do have a, a, a spiritual ancestry. We have a spiritual genealogy that helps define who we are. And a lot of times we try to shake that. We try to shake that spiritual heritage. And we're embarrassed. You know, it's like, well, I used to be... I used to be Baptist or I used to be Assembly God or Pentecostal or I used to be Church of Christ. And, and we, we kind of want to shake that in a way. 
You know that you can leave your church and still honor your heritage. And there's something positive that was imparted in you. There was something positive that you might not agree with everything that your ancestors had or your forefathers had. You might not agree with every perspective they had, but God chose you to be in that perspective. And he chose that to impart something in you. Some of you, even your spiritual heritage might be something uh, of not of God. It might be um, a cult or a cult or just something not of God. Can I tell you that God can redeem that because you're a trophy of his grace and see you can you don't have to be ashamed of what you were because that's in your past. And God's redeemed that and you're a new creature in Christ and God will be glorified through that. And God will glorify that and God will redeem that and cause those good things to happen. I mean, there's no competition over who has the best or the worst past. There's no competition. It's who we are today and who God has called us today and what he's called us to do. And God has given you an identity and he's come and he said he's redeemed that identity and he's made that identity good. And God is going to cause all the things in your past to work out together for good if you love him and are called according to his purpose. He is going to work all those things out in you and the name you have will be a good name. The name helps you identify who you are. But I want to challenge you, if you don't have a spiritual father, if you don't have a pastor, if you don't have a church, you need something to give you an identity. And you'll never agree 100% with your pastor. You'll never agree 100% with your church. You'll never find the perfect church. There is none. Most of us, we have a deep affection for the first church that we got saved in. And no other church will ever compare to that. Because it was new, it was fresh, it was just, it was an experience like none other. And they're going to have the best music, the best preaching, the best service schedule, the best outreach. Everything they do is going to be best because it was the first for you. But there's a new day and there's a new time and it's the will of God that you be under the authority of a spiritual father, not just a, um, a guardian, not just someone who's paying the bills, but someone who cares for your life. And who's imparting creative gifts into you and is giving you an identity. And here's the next thing. Fathers protect. Fathers protect. That's one of the basic things every father does. Every father is supposed to protect. That's why it's so sad when fathers violate. That is against the natural order of things. I mean, not even this goes even beyond biblical texts here. That in every culture, the men are the protectors. The men should not be the violators. The men should not be the abusers. The men should be those who protect and, and protect those who are weak and protect those who are vulnerable. And everybody needs that in their life. And, and God is redeeming people. And, and I just want to say this is that next week, I was going to tell you this at the end of the service, but maybe sometimes we get distracted. I believe next week could be one of the most important sermons uh, that that I preached, and, and I say that with hesitation because then you know, oh man, I got to come up with a good one now. But it, it goes deeper than that because because I believe that we're going to deal with uh, the reject spirit of rejection next week, and, and it's all over Father's Day. I'm just going to be honest with you because because we feel so rejected by earthly fathers, by by things they've said, things they've done, and I think also from this. Uh, 
I don't know, this un, this unrealistic expectation that we've all missed out on something. I believe the Lord wants to speak into our lives next week. I want you to come. I want you to pray this week. And we're going to go back to First Peter and talk about the stones that the builders rejected as now, now the cornerstone. And, and I believe God's going to do something great among us. And so please be here next week and bring friends for that and pray for next week's service. Fathers are supposed to protect, but they often don't. And I want to just move to the spiritual side of this. Can I tell you that one of the chief roles of spiritual leadership and and having a spiritual father is to have protection? You know, I don't make major decisions in my life until I don't talk to three or four of my spiritual fathers. Just don't do it. Just don't. I don't trust myself, for one. Second of all, as I know that, that their wisdom... And not only their wisdom, but their place that God has assigned them to my life. God has given them a unique perspective and insight into my abilities and what I can do. God has given them that unique insight by nature of their relationship and their assignment to me. So this is not some kind of weird thing of, oh, I'm too stupid. I can't make a decision. There's nothing to do like that. We know that the spirit of God within us has to lead us above all things. But it is the kingdom principle that there is protection when you're under spiritual authority. And when you have spiritual fathers in your life, there is a protection that comes. People that can speak into your life, can speak over your life, are simply at the very basic level when you sit under biblical sound teaching and by someone who is under authority and who is speaking the word uh, in proper context, that alone brings you protection. Because that's how God has, has scheduled things and planned things. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says it this way. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Can we pause? Can I tell you that's one of the most un-American values? Submit, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. I mean, our line is never trust your leaders blindly. Now, here is the truth. They keep watch over you as men who must give account. Obey them so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. God has placed the spirit of fatherhood and he's releasing the spirit of fatherhood because spiritual fathers will protect you and will keep you or at least slow you down from making stupid decisions. We don't want spiritual fathers. We want entertainers. We want to put our hour in with God and then forget about him. We don't want relationship because with relationship comes accountability and expectations and challenge. I tell you that that's the will of God for you. That is, there's protection. You know, we already talked in in 1 Peter chapter 5 how our enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The enemy is looking to devour our lives. He's looking to take us out of the game. But when we are in relationship with a spiritual father and when we will obey them and we will fall under their protection. and, And like I said, on a very practical level, you know, in my life, there's several people like this. There's several people. It's not always just one person. You know, some people I have chosen as my spiritual fathers, and other people, God has chosen them for me. I've had some spiritual fathers I can't shake. I even try to, and I can't shake them. See, we choose some, and God chooses others for us. Can I tell you, when, when we talk about what spiritual fathers are, 
you know, here's the truth. You don't always have to agree with your spiritual fathers. You don't always have to be like them, want to be like them in every way. You don't always uh, uh, have to align yourself with everything they do and say. But just like my dad, I had a wonderful dad. He, He was wonderful, but I didn't agree with everything with him. And I got in disagreements. And I got in, I rebelled against things he did. And even as an adult, maybe there's some things, if I really thought about it, that I wouldn't agree with certain philosophies that he had. But he's still my dad. He's still my dad. Because God has placed him as a father in my life. So it is. So many of us are so rebellious that any time our pastor ticks us off, any time our 242 leader ticks us off, any time any one of our leaders make us mad, we're out of here. They say, they're not our father anymore. They can't speak to me. Can I tell you, you can disagree with your father, and they're still your father. There's some you choose, there's others that God chooses for you, and he places them in your life for to create ministry in you, to create ministry into you, to protect you, to do the things that they're supposed to do. And here's the last thing, kind of mine is to fathers will bless and send you. That's what fathers do. You know, a bad father, well, I won't say a bad father. Let me say it this way. An inappropriate thing for a father to do is to keep you in their home forever. But fathers will train you, equip you, and then bless you and send you. That's what fathers do. And that's you begin to recreate that. You become a father yourself. You, I think about Genesis chapter 29. And in the middle of this, Genesis chapter 29 is about the blessing that came upon Jacob that was supposed to be upon Esau. And it's really just a, a story of deception and, and a crazy story in a lot of ways. But in the middle of this, I don't want you to lose the meaning of it, of why Jacob strive in the Old Covenant to deceive his brother. He, he strived to do that because there was a blessing that came through the father. And Jacob knew that if he didn't receive that blessing, he wouldn't enter the next phase of his life. The right way. And so in the middle of this convoluted story, let's read this short passage and get the meaning out of this. In Genesis chapter 29, verse 25, then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I might give you my blessing. And Jacob brought it to him and he ate it and he brought some wine and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. And 28, may God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. We see here that an earthly father spoke forth a blessing in the life of his son, and that blessing helped that son enter a new phase of his life. I can tell you that we need to make sure we're right with our spiritual fathers so that we can enter into the next phase of our life, that we, we can enter into a blessing and at a time where we can go and they, and they speak over our life, they create something new and they create something fresh within us. We thank you, Lord, for it. Penny, I want you to come at this time. Father... This is the conclusion of my message, Lord. Now, Holy Spirit, we love you so much. Would you pray with me if you're, if you're still in the, the crowd or audience? We pray, oh God, that you would bring life and revelation to your word. 
Lord God, I thank you for the men in here, God. Strong men, Lord. I thank you, Lord, strong men who know your word and know your ways. And Father, I believe that there's great days for them. There's great days ahead of them, oh God. Thank you, O Lord, that you're releasing You're releasing a spirit of fatherhood upon your people. Lord, that's a sign of your coming. You said that, Lord, you would return the hearts of the fathers to their children. And, Lord, we just ask that that would move beyond biological assignments. Lord, there's certain biological assignments that limit us. But, Lord, I believe, Lord, that you're telling us and reminding us today that the spirit of fatherhood goes beyond just the family tree line. Lord, it's operating in your spirit and it's operating in what you want to do. And we love you and we thank you for it. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You're so good. I just ask that, I want to ask that all the men stand, even even the young men among us, all the men stand. You know, this is not a day, this is not a day for us to say, well, these guys have kids and these don't. Or these guys used to have kids and these never did. I think that the Lord just wants to remind all of us, all of the men in here, that he is He is putting a spirit of fatherhood on us. For some of you as young men, even as teenagers, can I just tell you, and I just want you to listen to the Lord, that, that even as a teenager, you can begin to influence your younger brothers and sisters. You can begin to influence influence children as an example that God can put that spirit upon you that spirit of fatherhood I believe that the Lord wants to expand our minds to help us see that I want to pray we're going to pray for all the men here today and we're going to pray there be that impartation of what God wants ladies would you pray with me would you join me in prayer Father Lord these men who are standing Lord, you have destined that they be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Lord, and Lord, we live in a time and a day and an age, God, where, Lord, we're only challenged to be strong physically. And we're only challenged to be strong in business. And we're only challenged to be strong in the things of the world. But, God, I pray that you would raise up within my brothers here, Lord, the desire to be strong in the Lord, to be strong in his word, to be strong in the power of his might. And, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would open the doors and open the minds, Lord. And, Lord, that you, oh God, Lord, would begin to put, even among the young men in, in this building today, Lord, you would begin to plant in them, God, the spirit of fire. Fatherhood, Lord, Lord, I pray, God, that there would be open doors to ministry, Lord, that each one of the men could see the role that they have and that the Lord would even right now is just beginning to show some of you men how you can bring protection, how you can bring creativity, how you can bring all the things, give an identity. There's someone in your life that you can give an identity to that the Lord is calling you to take your rightful place. Can I tell you that God has given you a certain assignment? He's given you a certain dominion. There's certain people you can touch. There is a realm of influence that God has given every single male in this place that only you can fulfill. That only you can fulfill. And the Holy Spirit's calling that forth in your life. And Lord, may it be. Now, Lord, I pray that you would bless these men in every way. Lord, let this be a year of growth. I ask God that one year from now, when we have Father's Day again, that each one of these men would be marked by you. That this would be the year of growth, of impartation, and Lord, increase their influence. And then Lord would say he's going to increase your influence, or, or at least ask for that. Ask Lord, ask Lord, increase my influence, increase the way I can influence people around me. We thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you for that. We thank you. Would everyone stand today? Would everyone stand We love you, O Father.
We love you, Jesus. Before we dismiss today, here in a few minutes, we're we're going to have uh, the table of the Lord. That's going to be open. And we're going to have a prayer team here. As many of you have come here with a need in your life. And you need God to touch you today. I can't tell you, I don't want you to leave this campus today without God touching you. You know that that the need you have in your life is not just dependent upon what I say. It's dependent upon what God said about you. And so maybe my sermon didn't apply to you or, or you were hoping. I hope he says this or I hope he says that. Can I tell you, God's already said deliverance for you. and He's already said freedom. And he's already declared the things over your life that need to be declared. And you just need to receive that. You just need to receive that. Some of you have been waiting for me to call out something specific and said, God, if he calls out something specific, I'll come down the front. Can I say that that's, that that doesn't need to happen? If God is moving on your heart, you need to respond to him this day and allow him just to move in you and to move in your spirit. Thank you, Lord. God, you're the restorer of homes. We love you.